Hey peeps, it's D-Lo, and if you're listening to this, that means you have entered the chocolate chat. Hey peeps, it's your boy D-Lo back again with another episode of the chocolate chat. Very excited to be back to podcasting. Very excited to be making this specific episode. Um, A lot of things in the past few days have been on my mind regarding this topic I'm about to have. So I just want to hop right into it. No mission reading, no um, background story, just maybe a little bit. But I just want to really talk about this topic today. Judgmental families create them, black women hate them, and most gay men fetishize them. Today we're going to be talking about DL men. Now the reason why I want to talk about this topic is because I just recently picked up a book. Picked up a book that was such a phenomenal read and it touched me in places I've never been touched emotionally. It connected with me the way a book has never connected with me because I think it mirrored the life that I've lived and the experiences that I've had as a black queer man. The name of the book is All Boys Aren't Blue by George M. Johnson. All Boys Aren't Blue is a hit. I haven't read a good book in a very long time, but this book just does it for me. I mean, for God's sakes, I finished it in seven hours. Like, George M. Johnson did that. I love how transparent, how vulnerable he is in the book, and he is so open about everything, about his experience joining a Black Greek org. He's open about his experience of being sexually assaulted, his experience with his first man. He is just so open, and I couldn't put the book down. Now, one thing that really stood out to me in the book was this chapter where he explains his first sexual encounter as a Black queer teenager. His first sexual encounter was with his older cousin. Now, he talks about how his first sexual encounter was not initiated by him, but by the older cousin. The cousin essentially molested him. And he tells it in a way where he's being transparent that it didn't feel it didn't feel um, bad, but he knew it was wrong. And when you're reading the chapter, you can tell that low-key a part of him feels guilty because it's family, but he doesn't feel guilty because it's a dude. So it's really kind of like a big moment in his life, a very pivotal moment. And, you know, I think one of the most pivotal things about it is that that cousin no longer is living. So when he wrote this book, he had to really revisit that moment and share it with us or and even shared with his family to publish it. But nevertheless, one thing that he really says that makes me want to just discuss the topic of D.L. Men is he says, somebody made his cousin feel, and these are, these are paraphrased. He did not say this verbatim. I could grab the book, but that's corny. I'm just going to tell you the paraphrase, or at least what I took from it. He said, somebody made my cousin feel so low, somebody made some black men feel so low that they felt that the only time they could have this shared experience that they desire without being judged, without being caught, would have to be with a family member. And that was so deep. Let's just get right into the topic with that being said. So first, let's have a transparent moment. Let's be real. D.O. men were originally 
queer boys. Now, when you're a queer boy, a black queer boy, I can't really speak on white queerness or like any other queerness because I haven't lived that life. But when you're a queer black boy, you have a decision to make very early on because your your family is telling you, oh, you may have traits of being a little feminine. Your um your parents have this ideal, this image that they want you to fit into, and it is your duty to fit into that image. You have a decision to make. You can either be what everybody else wants you to be, play basketball, play sports, don't hang out with girls, be um be interested in manly things and like like cars and whatever the narrative is that men like or what the gender expectation is. Or your other choice is the scariest choice. It's only the choice that brave, brave young boys choose. It's to be who you are regardless of what your parents are telling you, regardless of what your peers are telling you, regardless of what the world expects from you. And the men who choose to be who they are, they get to that point eventually in life. I would say I got to that point when I was in college. When I turned 19, I was like, oh, I'm definitely not in the closet anymore. I was just done. It was very hard to express, like, to my friends, my crushes, and how I felt. I just was done. I wasn't going to be in the closet anymore. But those men who, well, those boys at the time who choose to stay in the closet who choose to be what everybody expects him to be on the surface they might not have the bravery of the latter that I explained in regards to the boys who choose to be who they are but they definitely have the most pressure here's why choosing to ignore who you really are ignore those real feelings that you have it crystallizes you into like a fine china. Now you got to maneuver so carefully through the world that you can't explain these feelings or you can't even show even a hint of who you really are. Now let's talk about the big elephant in the room. Why do these men choose a life of secrecy, of lies, of sneaking around instead of a life of peace, um, free spiritness, um, leisure? Why is that? Let's talk about it. I really want to debunk it. Because everybody will go around and say, I hate DL niggas. Like, well, as far as women. Because, you know, some gay men really love them. Like, live for it. I hate DL niggas. Wow. Why don't you just come out? We're going to talk about why they don't just come out. First, family expectations. They have families. A lot of them come from Muslim backgrounds family who that are really Baptist, who are very strict and very clear on what the expectation is as a Baptist or as a Christian or as a Muslim. And you need to follow that expectation. I'm pretty sure at some point in their life, they considered, yo, I might just come out. Just because I want to be able to be who I am. I want to be able to be accepted for who I am. And not for who they want me to be. And then they try that and they they try to connect with their families and they try to have that transparent moment in their families. And I know for a fact families will tell you, "Nah, we're not doing that gay shit in my house." A lot of them do it for shelter.
They do it for somebody, somewhere to live. Cisgender black men will never know the fear of being kicked out because of something that you cannot change. Period. And that's just that on that. When you can't change who you love or you can't change who you care about and you have people who clothe you, feed you, um, finance you, telling you, I will take these essential needs from you if you don't be who I need you to be for the public. Who I need you to be so I can brag about you and not be disappointed. That is a much easier decision to make than to have the bravery to have the luxury of being who you are, but homeless, but hungry, but broke, but sleeping couch to couch. So I understand that. Another reason why some black men don't feel comfortable enough to come out is because black men are one of the people with the most highest expectations. And we won't admit admit this as a culture, but it's true. We expect black men to have their own crib, their own car, their own job, with a little bit of extra money to spend on, you know, women want them to spend it on them, spend it on nails, spend it on $40. You know the memes be going around, it's real funny. But also be, sometimes they want them to be a class act citizen. Baby, we're living in 2020. If a nigga got his own crib and his own fucking car, give me the keys. How are you doing it? And then they want to be like, oh, you got your own crib, but you live in the projects. Having your own crib, having your own car, and where I'm from, New York, is a big feat to accomplish. And usually when you have those things, you don't have the financial means to spend your money on anything that isn't rent, car insurance, car notes. I digress. I'm probably getting a little um, sidetracked. But there are high expectations for black men. And one thing I will say there's a very high expectation for is how they should desire sexually. They should only be okay with pussy. They should only be okay with um, head and pussy. None else. What you trying to sign else for? You're weird. You're gay. You're DL. Black men have big shoes to fill that I'm sure every day overwhelms them. And when they have the vulnerability, the, excuse me, my brain just went dead. (laughs) When they have the audacity to say, you know what, I might want to bring another dude in the bedroom. I might want to try this. Black women openly shame them. That's happened. I've went under a post that was a whole conversation about how bisexual men are just gay men undercover, which is such a problematic view. Because if we're going to say that men can't be bisexual, then logically speaking, women can't be bisexual. But I'm just saying... Putting somebody in a box is never good because just remember, boxes break and they burst. And when they break and when they burst, you have to find another box. And if you keep putting pressure 
on a different box is going to keep bursting and it's never going to be what you had before. You're going to keep getting a different version of all the expectations that you put into someone. And I know that that metaphor may not speak well or may not translate well to some people, but all I mean is boxes, confined ideas, confined expectations, they're inconsistent. And inconsistency usually is followed by lies. And they're they're followed, excuse me, by treachery. And the disservice that we're doing to our black men who are traditionally masculine but desire, like, a same-sexual experience is really not only helping, is not only hurting them, but it hurts us. Because you know how many dudes, and this is a real nigga moment, you know how many dudes I know that I've dealt, and, and oh, keeping it but above, I've dealt with that have baby moms? So when you out here talking about, fuck out of here, my kid better not be gay, fuck out of here, my kid better not be this or be that, you got a whole baby father who's fucking on dudes. And do you know that all of that that you're preaching, he may not say anything, he may not be open about it, but that hurts you and hurts him. And the one thing I've realized about a lot of DL dudes is those is the niggas who are cancerous, not only to women, but they're also cancerous to the to the gay community. Period. These are the niggas that don't want to use condoms. These are the niggas that sliding in you raw and sliding in another nigga raw. And they're passing around the STDs that are so prevalent in our communities. We are doing a huge disservice to ourselves by not offering the traditionally masculine, because, you know, you can say the but that's what they really are. The traditionally masculine, but also same-sex enjoying community within our own community they are dangerous when not nurtured correctly we need to be very cautious and very intentional about how we make our traditionally masculine same-sex enjoying people feel men feel i'm telling you man i'm i i know it all too well we fetishize, you know, and when I say we, I'm speaking on the, the gay community now. They fetishize, we fetishize this idea of Odell Beckham, this idea of 50 Cent, Floyd Mayweather. Not saying that those men are D.O., I'm saying that those men have a very masculine demeanor. We fetishize that. Those are the men that would hurt us, that would not think twice and sliding us raw, but sliding a girlfriend raw, fucking everything raw and slaying anything just so they can get that feeling out. But y'all not ready for that because I, I went off, but y'all wasn't ready for that conversation. But I just needed y'all to know that every action has a reaction. And if we're not approaching, if we're not meeting every black boy it starts with our black boys and we're not meeting every black boy that we see with a hint of queerness with love with with acceptance with um unconditional support we're hurting us we're hurting us straight like that don't get me wrong 
Lauren is only human. Don't think I haven't been through the same predicament. Nah, but don't get me wrong. I've been there. I've been, um, I've been the dude who like DL niggas who who sought out DL dudes, and I only say that because that is a phase that you need to like go through in order to fully accept the fact that you are not hetero, that you like dudes, cause. You you want these traditionally masculine niggas that and you traditionally masculine dudes that you hope like the same sex as you because that's the narrative that you see every day on the TV. That's the narrative that you see every day on YouTube. Everybody want to be Ken and Diaria. Everybody want to be Will and Olivia Goldjuice. Like you know what I'm saying? Like everybody want that. They they think that's cute. So. When you see narratives all the time, The Notebook, Time Traveler's Wife, um, The Photograph, all these movies like traditional love stories, you see a man and a woman. And if you like, you usually associate in liking men with a woman. So you, you, you have this idea of what you want your boyfriend to be. And a phase of that, like usually teens, um, like mid-teens, late, mid to late teens, you're realizing that the shit that you want is only because society's led you to want that. When I like DL niggas, yo, it was so bad. Like, I only wanted to talk to certain dudes that carried themselves a certain way. But that also was because I was seeing what my female friends had. I was hanging out mostly with women. And they had boyfriends that was, um, you know, played basketball. Some of them sold drugs. Like, they just did traditionally masculine shit. And you want that. You want to fit in. You want to be able to bring your nigga around and he fit in with the rest of them. And you're understanding, like, but once you grow out of that phase, because best believe me, it's a phase, you start to realize, first of all, those men are hard to find. And usually when you find them, they're hoes. <laughs> they're hoes, or they got a baby moms, or they're married. They always got some type of baggage. They never come baggage-free unless they fully accept themselves, unless they use, they choose as boys to have that courage later down the line to be who they are and fuck what everybody else's thinks. I've been there. I like that. I wanted that. All of my friends have been there, have wanted that, have had that. I've never, you know, I, I've had it. But, you know, some of my friends had that. You just got to get, you got to get wise to it. Because then you realize those dudes, all they good for, and this is me speaking from the black gay narrative. I'm not speaking for um just the wide range narrative anymore. Those dudes are only good for a nut. They good for a night. Those aren't the dudes that's going to really want to have kids with you. Those aren't the dudes who going to want to take you out on a date. The niggas that want to be seen with you in daylight. It's so much more to that than, the than, oh, he boxed. Oh, he played ball. Now you only see him after t 10 o'clock. Where they do that at? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. And the only way I can see... All these women, I complain, you know, black, black gay men complain, black women complain, 
the churches complain about, oh, we got all this gay, all these gay dudes, all these men that like men. We're truly living in the end times. If we want to really see the men who like men to be safer, to be loved on, to be doing right by not only um, the people who they care about, but the people they choose to lay with, whether they be a black gay man, whether they be a black bisexual man, whether they be a black pansexual man. We got to nurture them with love. We have to nurture them with support. We got to be willing to understand the way they want to love and be okay with that. Because when we're not, they go into the shell, and that shell is very catastrophic because it destroys everything in its path. They become this bomb that continues to go off every time it encounters a threat. Every time it encounters something that may jeopardize their equilibrium amongst their peers, amongst their families. They become this bomb that is always ready to go off or always ready to blow up over something that is so minimal because they don't want that part of themselves that they hate to get out. With that all being said, let me simplify for you. DL men are the product of their peers' hate and judgment. The only way to prevent or lessen the amount of DL men is to create confident, strong, queer black boys. Because DL men originated as queer black boys. Just a disclaimer, I want to note on record that I do not have any hate. For DL men. I, for a long time I thought I did. When I started to deal with one. Um, I actually lost my virginity to one. Um, I hated him. And I hated him because. He could give me a feeling as good as sex. But he couldn't give me. What I really wanted. Not sex. When, when we're having sex with a bunch of people. All we really want is intimacy. And what I really wanted from him. Was Intimacy. And he couldn't offer me that. That was a big problem. I want to be intimate with somebody. I want to be intimately regarded by somebody. And he could only offer me a nut. Nevertheless, I don't hate DL men. I appreciate them because, actually, a DL man gave me the courage enough to come out the closet. And that's going to be a story time. Actually, my next episode is going to be a story time on that DL dude who really helped me find peace within myself enough to come out and openly say that I like men. And that changed my life. That was a pivotal moment in my life. College, freshman year, I'm going to tell that story, but I just want to thank him. Um, He was dope. And DL men, they're not all toxic. They're not all ticking time bombs. A lot of them just want love. A lot of them just want acceptance. And will do anything to keep that acceptance. I've spoken to some D.O. dudes who told me they will never come out the closet. And when you live this lifestyle, black queer lifestyle, you live by a certain code of conduct. And that code of conduct including includes not outing people. Now, I know you've seen some gay dudes out, um, secretly gay dudes. And usually that rule, there's an exception when those men who sleep with other men behind closed doors, act disrespectful or act hypocritical in the public eye. 
that's what really causes gay men to out DL men. If you were a dude and you kicking it with him and you sleep with him and you're enjoying his company, but when you're not with him, he's disrespecting you or saying, I don't play that faggot shit or speaking on your name real malevolently. Why the fuck would you protect him? So, period. Um, yeah. But other than that, but other than that, exclu- that um, special case, yeah. There's a code of conduct that comes with this lifestyle. I would never out a DL, dude. Unless given um, complete and utter disrespect from him. But other than that, no, I wouldn't. I'm thankful for DL dudes. But I do want them to feel comfortable enough to come out. I do want us as a culture, black people, this is why I call it the chocolate chat, to make those men, those boys that are growing up, those queer black boys that are growing up right now, to feel comfortable enough to be themselves so we don't create more DL black men. So we don't create more cancerous activity, activity excuse me, in our communities. Having people sleep with both men and women unprotected and... um uncautiously. I want to correct that. And you all should want to, too. So with that being said, after listening to this, go out and love on somebody. If you have an inkling that somebody you know with a girlfriend, with a wife, may be gay, go out there and love on them. Love on them enough to give them the courage to really live their truth and not let their truth tear the the ones they care about most apart. That's really all I have left on the topic of DL, men. I just wanted to give you um, a little peek into their mind, a little peek into the things they face and why they are. But also, I wanted to give you the blueprint on how to prevent them, how to lessen them. Because be that as it may, to live a facade, to live as something less than you is criminal. 